Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? You guys look great. We're celebrating Easter Sunday. This is Resurrection Sunday, and we're rejoicing in what God has done as we reflect on the cross and on him rising again from the grave three days later. And this is a reason to rejoice. And if you're our guest here this morning, if you're new to NCC or you're watching online for the first time, let me start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're excited that you're joining us. We are a church that's passionate about making people and places new. And I look across this room and I see stories um, after story of what God is doing in your life and the change that's happening week after week as we come in here and we open up scripture and we allow God to change us to what's taking place in our community as we serve um, in our schools, with our school district, with nonprofits. And many of you every week, you're giving your talents, you're giving your time to make an impact right here in Mesquite. And it's part of that vision. God has called us to do that as a church, to make people and places new. And we're so excited that you're with us this morning. Once again, as we celebrate Easter, we celebrate the resurrection and what God has done. Now, many of you, I know that you probably have Easter traditions and things that you're going to do today or that are, are surrounding this weekend that you're used to. And for some of those, it may be eating um, a big meal together with family and friends. Maybe you guys are already thinking about the ham that's in the oven or what you have to do as you head out um, of here today. For many of us, you know, for kids and for different things, we even had yesterday the hunt. And Easter has this idea of we're finding something, right? Like we're searching for something. Um, I'm sure many of us as adults, we would love an adult Easter egg hunt where we could find some cash or something, right? Anyone? Okay. Um, And so like it has this idea, right? When you think about Easter, you think about finding stuff. Um, We do this. I mentioned it last year, but we do Easter baskets for our kids. And so when they wake up in the morning, they're running all over the house trying to find, you know, the candy and the toys that my wife has put together. Easter has that idea of finding things. And when I thought about what we're talking about this Easter, this theme that grace changes everything. And thinking about this idea of grace, I thought, you know what? Grace is not something that we find. It's something that has found us. I really want you to get that this morning. Grace is not something necessarily that we find at the heart and at the core of what grace is. It's something that has found us. When we really look at that idea, you know, many of us, grace found us in a place of brokenness. For some of you, man, it was addictions. It was sin in your life, things that were destroying your life, destroying relationships. And God's grace came and found you in that place of brokenness and brought redemption, brought healing, brought salvation into your life. For others of us, it wasn't so apparent. Grace found us in a place of pride, in a place of self-righteousness, like we really thought we were okay, right? Like we live in Texas, we live in the Bible Belt. We're basically good people. Like we're not really bad, we're not horrible people. And so in our pride, we thought we're okay, God, and God's grace as we experience it, as we reflect on the cross and God's redemption, we see that, that we are still desperately in need of the grace of God. 
And when we really begin to think about this, when we reflect on this idea, we see how grace changes everything. That what we're celebrating, what we're looking at this weekend with the cross, with Jesus giving his life, that we are people that are in need of that, with with the resurrection and the power of Christ, his redemption, that we are people that need to understand the grace of God. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to look at a scripture that talks about that. If you can open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, we're going to start reading at verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We've got one here for you in the seat in front of you. It may be one or two seats over. You can open that up. Turn to Romans chapter 5 verse 8. We're going to be in a few passages, but you can follow along with us this morning. And we're going to look at this idea and starting off with this idea that we need God's grace. Romans is this powerful book that talks about the grace of God over and over again. It's full of these passages about how we need God's grace, what God's grace means to us. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, this is what Paul, the author, the writer of Romans, this is what he said. But God showed his love for us. God demonstrated, God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That idea that Paul is conveying in this passage, he's writing to people um, who were both close to God and people who were far away from God. And he's saying, I want you to get this idea as it pertains to grace, as it pertains to the love of God. It's that God demonstrated his love. God showed his love. It's not that we were looking for God. It's not that we were searching for God. It's that we were broken in our sin. We had this sinful nature. And it's that God came and pursued us, that God was searching after us. And when we look at the cross, we see that. We see our desperate need for the love of God. The picture of the cross and what Jesus went through, it shows us that. It shows us our need for God. It shows us our brokenness and how we are people that desperately need God. And you know, as we look at this, I want to take a moment. I just want to walk you through what it was like for Jesus those last few hours. I was spending this week just reflecting on that. I spent time this week just thinking about that. Okay, Jesus, what what is it like? And like many of you, I've heard this before, right? Like even if you only come once a year to Easter, you know the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection. You know what Jesus went through. But I want to challenge you like God challenged me this week as I was looking at this idea of grace, what it was really like and what we see as we look at the picture of Jesus on the cross and what that means for us as it pertains to grace. Now, it didn't start just on Good Friday. It actually started on Thursday evening. You may be familiar with that, but on Thursday evening, Jesus is sitting down at a meal with his friends. Twelve of the closest people that were there in Jesus' life that he spent the past three years with are there, and he's eating one of the last meals that he's going to eat while he's here on this earth before he's about to die. And he spent, once again, these past three years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week with these guys. There's very few moments over the past three years that they have ever been separated. There were probably times where they got on each other's nerves, right? Like you have family members, maybe people you're going to be around today who just annoy you. And you just want to look at them and say, please shut up. There were times that Jesus may have thought that or the disciples thought that about each other, right? But they were close. I mean, these were a close group of friends that spent their entire, those entire three years together, and Jesus is eating a meal with them. And Jesus knows that in a few moments, one of the people that are closest to him are going to betray him. They're going to look Jesus in the eye, and they're going to say, hey, I'm with you, and then they're going to turn, walk out the door, and for 30 pieces of silver, they're going to turn Jesus over to the enemy. 
to these people that want to kill him. Jesus was fully God, I know that, but he was also fully human. And I don't know if you've ever been betrayed on that level. Someone that you thought had your back, someone that you thought was gonna be there for you, and they turn on you in a moment when you need them the most, they turn on you and they betray you. And this is what Jesus is going through as he's getting ready to face the cross. And he heads out that night and he spends the next few hours in a garden. He asks these close friends of his, hey, pray with me. I really need you in this moment. And all of them fall asleep and he's left alone in the garden. And the stress is so intense, you guys. The anguish, what he's going through, the anxiety of knowing that he's about to face the cross, that blood vessels in his forehead begin to burst. And he's sweating drops of blood. Now, I know you've been stressed out. I've been stressed out. I've never been stressed to the point where I am literally sweating drops of blood because it's so intense that blood vessels are popping in my face. And that's what Jesus is going through, the anguish of that moment. And then he's betrayed and he's taken to these religious leaders' house. Now, I don't often think about this. Maybe you've not thought about it as you walk through the story of the crucifixion, but Jesus didn't sleep that night. He's taken from house to house of these religious leaders who blindfold him, who hit him across the face, who pull out his beard and say, Jesus, tell us who struck you. You're the son of God. You know everything. So go ahead and prophesy to us. You're blindfolded, but tell us who it is that hit you. And his face is beaten to the place where it's almost beyond recognition. He's handed over to Pilate. Have you thought about this this week? Did you take time and, and just once again reflect on this, that it was for you and it was for me, that he's tied up to a post and he's whipped 39 times with nine leather straps, this cat of nine tails that has beads, has sharp rocks, has jagged things in them that every time, every single lash is ripping away flesh, ripping into muscle, it's exposing vital organs. This is what Jesus is going through, you guys. And then at a point of exhaustion, with lack of sleep, a loss of blood, he's forced to carry this cross up the hill. And he can't even make it all the way up. And he gets to the point where he collapses and someone else carries it up. And when they get to the top of the hill, he's nailed to that cross. He's fastened to the cross there with nails that are in, dug into or hammered into his wrists and into his feet. And in what is probably one of the most effective forms of torture that mankind has ever invented, Jesus is lifted up on that cross and suspended between heaven and earth. And he's not going to die of a lack of blood, you guys. He's not going to die of, of the pain that's going on in his body. He's going to suffocate to death. And every time he tries to pull himself up, the nails are digging into nerves and he's just trying to draw in one more breath. Once again, not because of something that he did, but because of something that I did, something that you did. And Jesus is there until he breathes his last breath and he cries out, it is finished. And this week I'm reflecting on this. I'm picturing this idea of grace and I'm thinking about what Jesus went through and I'm thinking about my need. And I think this thought right here that we need God's grace in our life. The cross is not a picture of mankind reaching out to God. The cross is not an image, church, of us being good people and saying, yes, God, we need you in our life. The cross is us rejecting God 
It's that we, you and I, we betrayed him. It was our sin that put him there on that cross. And it was a loving savior. It was God reaching back out to man saying, I want to restore that relationship with you. It's been broken. And even though you can't do anything, I am going to extend my grace to you. You can't earn it. There's nothing that you can do to deserve it. You can't work for it. This is just the tremendous love of God saying, I'm reaching out to you. I'm reaching out to you. That's the picture that we get on the cross. Not that we somehow were pursuing God, but that before we even knew it, before we even noticed that we needed it, God was pursuing us. God was chasing after us. That's what grace is. That's a grace that changes everything. Not a grace that you work for, not a grace that you earn, but a grace that was freely given to you and to me that we needed God in our life. That's God's grace. See, that's what grace is. It's undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor and kindness of God that God chose in that moment of need to reach out to us, to demonstrate his love for us. And we've got to understand that grace. Grace would be like you coming in here on a Sunday morning, okay? And you're sitting here and I'm up here in the middle of my message and I just stop for a moment and I walk off stage, okay? And I just randomly walk up to someone. We don't know each other that well, do we? Okay? And, and I give Chris here $20. There you go, okay? Got to make sure it's one, not too much grace, okay? And, and Chris, did you come up here this week and work really hard at the church or do anything? No, you didn't. Um, did you know that if you sat in the seat today that you were going to get $20? No, I didn't. No, you didn't, okay? See, so that's just a free gift. Chris didn't know that. He didn't know that that was going to happen, right? And all of you are sitting out there, where's my $20, right? Um, <laughs> that you could somehow earn it, like, hey, I came to church. But that's what a gift is. Like, you don't know that you're going to get it, right? You don't know that it's going to be there. But someone just randomly comes up, and they give you something possibly that was unexpected. And that's what Jesus did. That's what the grace of God is. And so many times we think, well, we did this, right? It was something that we did, like we came to Christ and we knew that we were broken. And so we came, but that's not what grace is. Before you even knew that you needed anything, before you even realized what was going on, God was pursuing you. Christ was coming after you. That's a grace that changes everything. You start to understand that. You guys start to reflect on that, not just at Easter, but every day of your life, you wake up realizing, God, it's your grace today. It's your grace, God. It's a free gift. I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it, God. I wasn't pursuing you. God, you were pursuing me before I even knew that I needed that. God, it's your free gift to me. See, that's grace that changes everything, church. That's grace that makes a difference in our life. And when we start to realize that, that we need God's grace, we need God's grace because you and I are part of what put Christ there. It was our sin and our betrayal and our mistakes that put Christ on the cross there. It was us that did that. See, we need a God that was pursuing us, a God that was chasing after us, his redemption and his salvation inside of our life. And when we understand that, that grace changes everything, what does it change in our life? If you still have your Bibles open, turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 1. In this book, once again, in Romans, where Paul's talking about grace, he gives us this idea of the difference that grace makes in our life, the change that it makes. And this is what he says, Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin live in it any longer? 
Paul's writing the church there in Rome at this time that he's writing them. And he's saying this. is He's saying, hey, there's this temptation. You understand. You see the grace of God. And there may be this temptation to continue in sin. But this is what grace does. Grace saves you from your sin. Grace saves you from your sin. And when you really start to understand the grace of God, you start to ask, man, do I want to continue to do that? Do I want to continue in that lifestyle? And he's saying, by no means. You look at the cross, you see what God has done to redeem you, and it helps each and every one of us to turn away from sin. Grace saves us from our sin. That's what grace does in your life and in my life. It makes that different. It, difference. It changes us. I thought about it like this. Um, Whenever our kids were a little bit younger, we were teaching them how to ride a bike. Okay, if you're a parent, maybe you've done this, right? And so I was, I was getting a little frustrated, and so we took them to what was known as a bike park. And I thought, okay, this is where they're going to learn to ride a bike. And it was pretty neat. We lived in Peoria, Illinois at the time, and they had a little bike overpass and like little stoplights and stop signs and other traffic things. And, and I was coaching Josiah. I was kind of running along with him. Like if, if you've ever done this, taught a kid how to ride a bike. I was doing all of those things. And I remember the first moment where I, I kind of leaned down and I was holding onto his bike and then I let go. And Josiah started to go down this hill. And I think I was more excited than he was. I was jumping up and down and I was like, he's got it. And he made a couple of laps around the little bike park before he fell. And he was doing it. I was like, he's got this. He's learned how to ride a bike, right? And, and I was so excited. I don't know if you've ever had that moment. Maybe you're an aunt or an uncle, and you've helped that, um, your niece or nephew kind of take those first few steps. In that moment, you, you taught them to do something, right? And I was thinking about the sin in our life, how grace saves us from sin. You know, none of us teach little kids how to sin, do you? I mean, we don't do that. That would be weird, right? Like, you don't sit down with your kid and say, okay, I'm going to teach you how to be a really good liar, right? I'm going to teach you how to cheat other kids out of Let me teach you how to be immoral, okay? I want you to be really good at this, so let me coach you. If you're doing that as a parent, I need to recommend a counselor for you, okay? Because that's not how this should work, right? We don't teach kids how to sin. We don't teach other humans how to sin. It's actually, we're just kind of born with it. Like you put two kids in a room and you put one toy and you're going to see sin really fast, right? Selfishness, greed, they're, they're fighting over it. Like it'll get violent. They can be little kids. But why? Because we're born with it. No one taught us how to do that. It's, it's innate in us. But you know what grace does? Grace saves us from our sin. And grace is this, it's like this father figure, this mother figure. It's this, this parental figure in our life that's calling out to us. You don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to live like that anymore. Shall we continue sinning? Shall we go on our, by no means. We, we've died to that. Grace is this voice in our life that saves us from sin and that tells us, you know what? There's a new way that you can live your life. I know in the past that your life has been full of lies. You've, been, you've faced abuse. There's addictions in your life. There's different things that have happened. And grace is this voice calling out to us. You don't have to live that way anymore. Those things that were destroying you those things that were eating away at your life, those things that were, that were causing broken relationships, those things that were causing issues inside of you, you don't have to live like that anymore. Grace is God's salvation, and grace saves us from our sin. It cries out to us. It challenges us. We look at the cross. We look at the grace of God, and we realize, God, that's not how I want to live anymore, that I can be free from those things, that I don't have to be a slave and in bondage to those things anymore. That's what Paul is writing to the church, that grace is that voice telling us, there's a new way that I've called you to live. 
and the power of what Christ did on the cross for every single lie that you've told, for every single immoral thought that you've had. Jesus went to the cross. His grace demonstrated for you and for me so that we could know the salvation of Christ. That changes everything. It changes that we live the way that we live. It changes our attitude. If you still have your Bibles open, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Not only does grace save us from our sin, grace saves us from ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, this is what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Once again, Paul's writing to this church now in Ephesus, and he's reminding them of this. It was the grace of God. You started off with God's grace in your life. And it's not something you earned. It's not something you did on your own. You didn't work really hard to earn that. There's nothing that you could do. You can't get a paycheck from God to to warrant him being on the cross, him giving his one and only son. You, You can't do enough stuff for that, church. It's a free gift from God. It's a free gift from God. And when we really understand that grace changes everything, we see that grace saves us from ourselves. that this is not something of us. It's not something that we can do. It doesn't matter how long you've been following God. There's not enough good stuff that you can do to actually merit his favor. Paul's saying here to the church in Ephesus, it's just grace. It's grace. It's a free gift in your life. You can't work for it. It's something that God has given you, not as a result of work so that no one can boast, so that no one can stand back and say, God, look what I have done for you. Look what I've accomplished, God. Now I've earned your salvation, God. Now I deserve your redemption. Paul's saying, no, each of us, there's a level playing field here. Each of us come and we just say, God, we desperately need your grace. That kind of grace changes everything. I was sitting down this week with someone from our church and he was just sharing with me what God's been doing in his life over the past few months. And he shared this story. He said, Aaron, I remember um, a number of years ago before I came to Christ and I was in my mom's church. His mom's a pastor. And he said, um, this person came up to me at the end of service, just looked me in the eyes and started to tell me some things they felt like God was saying. And he said, they're looking at me and saying, God's going to help you own a business. Like God's going to do a lot in your life. God's going to use you. You have gifts and talents and leadership. And God's going to take all of that and use it for his kingdom. God's going to make you a generous person. And you're going to give a lot of money into God's kingdom. You're going to be a blessing to others. This is what God's going to do in your life. And he said, I stood there and I was actually laughing. And he said, there is no way that I'm going to work hard. And I'm going to earn some things. And then I'm just going to give it away. There's no way that I'm going to build something and then just let God get the credit and let God get the glory for it. He's like, it's not going to happen. And he said, Aaron, over the past few months, I've been just thinking back to that and looking at what God's done in my life. And he began to tell me story after story over the past few months and weeks, how every day he goes into work and says, God, what do you want today? This is not my business, Lord. My life is not my own. God, what do you want me for me today? When he's getting ready to hire someone, he said, I, man, I stop and pray. I listen to the voice of God's spirit. He said, God's been challenging me over the past few weeks and doing different things so that I can be more generous. And he said, now I'm standing here laughing. And he's saying, God, you knew all along. God, it was your grace that saved me from myself. In church, we live this life so many times for ourselves and our world is only this big. 
Some of us are out there living and we're living a life where your world is only as big as you. It's all about me. And you're trying to live your life. You're trying to build your kingdom and and everything around you. It's all about you. Even when you do something good, it's to say, God, look what good things I have done. Look how nice of a person I am. God, look what I've accomplished. It's all about me. And I'm trying to build a kingdom around me. And it's very small. And I start to see the grace of God, you guys. I start to see and reflect on what Jesus did on the cross, that it's his grace. It's only his grace that has brought me here. It's only his grace that allows me to live every single day. It's his grace, and grace saves me from myself. It saves me from this idea that my world is only this small. Grace challenges me to give my life away. Grace challenges me not to just live for myself, but to live for a bigger picture for God's purpose and God's desires and God's dream in my life. Some of you, you're fighting things in your life. You're fighting hurts from your past. You're fighting things that are going on. It's because your life is only consumed with you. And God wants to introduce his grace into your life that you would realize God has so much more for you. Grace saves you from yourself. It rescues you from a life where it's all just about you and opens you up to the world and to God's kingdom and to what he wants to do. And can I be honest with you, church? When I look at God's grace, when I remember God's grace, it's this thing that I need the most, God, to save me from myself. Because after doing this for 15, almost 20 years now, I struggle with this idea, God, I'm a pretty good person now. God, I've done this for so, like I go to church and I pray and I do all of these things, God, I'm okay. And I somehow think I can take my life back from God and I can figure this out on my own. Like, I'm pretty good. I wake up some mornings and I think, God, I've got this today. Like, I've got this, God. I can do this on my own. In church, after 20 years, I desperately need to be reminded every day, God, it's just your grace. It's just your grace, Lord. Today, I need your grace to save me from myself because over and over again, God, I'll try to do this on my own and I'll mess it up. I'll mess it up. And can I tell you as Christians, we desperately need God's grace. Grace is not for the person just starting off. Grace is not just for the person asking questions about who Jesus is and what it means to be a Christian. Grace is for each and every one of us. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing this. Each and every one of us, we need to wake up every day and say, God, I desperately need your grace today. God, I can't do this on my own. See, grace changes everything. Grace saves you from your sin. Grace saves us from ourselves. Grace changes everything, church. Hi, my name is Eva, and I'm a prayer for recovering addicts. Hi, I'm Sherry Bannett. My name is Selena Robles, and I'm 12 years old. My name is Melissa Cruz, and this is my husband, Art Cruz. June the 9th of 2004, I was in a deep, dark place. I was ready to check out on life moments before the act of suicide, I cried out to God. He came and saved my life that day. During that period of time, I met my first wife. Five days after our first anniversary, I caught her in her first affair. And so I dealt with it the way I know how to deal with it. I decided to get high. I lived in complete misery. To know Christ and walk away from him is the darkest hell I've ever been in. At that point, God directed my path to a ministry called the Men of Nehemiah. 
It was there that I actually learned God's love. Yesterday I celebrated five years clean. That can only be described as God's grace. Going back in my thoughts as a child, I remember how dark my world had been. There was just mega abuse in my life and the relationship between my dad and I had been very, very strained. One day I was taking a walk and all of a sudden my feet just happened and boozing me right on into a church. And as I sat down, I'm looking around and saying, people are laughing and they're hugging. It's like, what did I just walk into? It's a love that I had never known. And I realized from that moment on that my life was never going to be the same. I realized that there was more to life than the ugliness at home. I remember as I was younger, I felt a lot of hatred and hurt in my heart towards my biological parents because I was given up at birth. I didn't really understand why. I just would always tell myself it was my fault. I know I started going to church more. People started telling me God has a plan for your life. I went to the NYC summer camp. It changed my life forever. I was saved and baptized and all my questions were answered. It was all in a way supposed to happen. I was supposed to be given up and brought to this amazing family where they would teach me about God and bring me to an amazing church that would help me get closer to Him. And I'm still growing in God. I know as I get older, I'll get closer and closer and I won't stop. April 2015, we lost our faith due to a pregnancy loss. It was an emotional and devastating moment of our lives. At that time, you know, the only thing we can look for is, is church and, and see where it can take us, and see if we can restore our faith again. And it brought us to NCC to start just a new chapter in our lives and you know, to bring back our faith. So in April 2016, we had the opportunity to come to the altar and ask God for anything. Sure enough, the prayer that we had was to ask for a baby. Three weeks later from that day, I found out that I'm pregnant. And I think that was an exciting moment for the both of us because we knew that God had answered our prayer. We may never understand, but we must trust His grace. God's grace changes everything. Grace changes everything. Yes, God's grace does change everything. And yes. Those are some powerful stories just about the grace of God. And I don't know where you're at in your life. Maybe one of those stories resonated with you. Maybe one of those stories stood out to you. Maybe... Your story is similar. Maybe it's something different. But it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. The grace of God, the gift of God's love is here this morning. That's what we're celebrating, the power of the resurrection, the power of God that overcomes sin and that changes our life. God's gift is here. And I want to take a moment and I want to pray together this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they would come, those that are helping us pray this morning. And you may be here and you may say, Aaron, I, I'm relating to that. I understand what those people are talking about. There's things in my life 
that are destroying me. There are things in my life that, that is sin there and it's separated me from God. And I need that grace that you're talking about. The word of God is very clear that it's simply a gift that we accept. It's simply a gift that we receive from God. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to change first and then come to God. God meets you right where you're at. And we simply acknowledge, Lord, God, I'm broken, that there is sin in my life, Lord, and I need you. We, we believe that, that what Christ did, that the grace that we see on the cross, that it changes everything. And then the word of God challenges us that, that we would confess our sins and that we would ask God for his forgiveness. And you may be here this morning and saying, Aaron, I need that. In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to respond, to receive the gift of God, to receive his salvation just by coming forward. And our prayer team is here to pray with you. The word of God is very clear that each and every one of us that we've sinned, that we have fallen short of God's plan and God's purpose for our life, and that we can't fix it on our own. And the truth, the powerful truth of the gospel is that we don't have to that Jesus paid the price. What we're celebrating this Easter morning is that Jesus came and he gave his life for your sin and for my sin, that we can know new life in Christ. And I just wanna ask if there's anyone here this morning and you would be bold enough to say, man, I want that fresh start. I need something to be different in my life. With no one looking around, you would say, Aaron, that's me. Would you just stand up right where you're at and come forward? We wanna take a moment, we wanna pray with you. Anyone at all, if God's speaking to you, I don't want you to miss this opportunity. His grace is here for you this morning. He's offering that gift of new life of salvation. Amen. Church, we want to pray together, whether you're praying this for the first time or whether you're saying this again, would you just repeat this after me? Jesus, I come to you and I need your salvation. I need a fresh start. So I ask for your grace this morning. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live every day for you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Man, that's what Easter is, you guys. It's God's redemption and God's grace in our life. And I've asked our prayer team to stay up here before you're dismissed this morning, before you head out. If you need prayer for anything in your life, maybe you're here and something's going on. It could be a broken relationship. It could be something at your job. We want to take some moments and we want to pray together with you as a church. You guys, we're celebrating the resurrection. This is the power of God over death and over sin in our life. We believe that God still does miracles and that God is able to meet us at our point of need. And so it doesn't matter what the need is this morning before you head out those doors. I wanna encourage you, um, if you have a need, to come forward in just a moment when we're dismissed to meet with one of our prayer team. We wanna pray with you and believe and agree together that God will meet that need in your life. So let me just close this together in prayer. And then once again, if you need prayer, you can come forward. Jesus, we come before you. 
And God, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, let us recognize this week, Lord, not just today on Easter Sunday, but God, this week, the power of your grace, Lord, how grace changes everything, Lord, and the difference that it makes in our life, God. Let it bring that freedom from sin, Lord, for those of us that need that, God. Let it bring freedom from ourselves, Lord, where we just limit our world to ourselves, God. Lord, let us live in the power of your grace, God. Let it bring change and transformation to us, God, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning, church. We love you. We will see you back here next week. Once again, if you need prayer, please take a moment, come forward. We want to pray with you.